everybody. How are we all doing today? All right. How are you, Mark? Mark? How are you, Mark? I'm doing, I could be better, but for the show, I'm doing great. <laughs> uh, you, you're all on the Mark Sports Talk uh, with your host, Mark, with a C, of course. And this is our 109th show. That's 109 shows in 109 weeks. And we're so happy to be here and uh, I want to welcome our illustrious panel today. Uh, I know some of you are different parts of the United States. And we have a special guest with us today. And we want to get to our special guest right away. Uh, Michael Pollack is joining us all the way from, well, you're in, you're in New York. <laughs> you're in New York, all the way from New York. And uh, Michael is the on-air play-by-play broadcaster for the Long Island Ducks baseball team from the Atlantic League. I know you have other jobs, other titles, which I'm sure you will tell us. And uh, before we introduce Michael, uh, this is your second time, of course, on our show. And I appreciate you coming back. You know, you were on show number 10, way, way back, uh, 99 shows ago. Wow. Time flies. It was July 9th, 2020. Okay. okay, that's when you were back on with us so long ago. So without any further ado, and I love that word, ado, as opposed to I do, which I know Michael said last year. <laughs> I like that segue, huh? Love it. Uh, let me introduce everyone to our special guest on the mark, uh, Michael Pollock. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's great to see all of you. Uh, I recognize some faces. Others are new, but either way... Uh, Great to be on here again and uh, excited that I'm here under much better circumstances than I was last time. July of 2020 was about a week and a half after we found out our season had been canceled because of the pandemic. Uh, it was probably the lowest of lows. And, and now we're, we're back. We're back in our second season post-pandemic. Um, and uh, we're about 30 or so games into the season now. And things going a bit up and down with the way our team has played. But ultimately the most important thing is that we're here. We're playing baseball. Fans are coming in. There's no restrictions and it's all you can really ask for at this time. Yeah. So tell, tell us about uh, the team. What's going on with the team? You know, I checked the records and yeah. you know, the news day used to every now and then they put all the standings on, but in recent days, they haven't put any of the Atlantic uh, league standings. I know I had to do some research. 16 and 19, third place. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So what's going um, on? So one of the things that we've been battling out of the gate has been a red hot Southern Maryland Blue Crabs team. I mean, they got off to an incredible start. I think they won something like 21 of their first 25 games out of the gate. You know, just everything seemed to be clicking for them. So uh, even though we were playing around 500 to begin the season, uh, it really didn't seem to matter because they were basically winning every night. Um, so that was one issue that we, we, of course, are dealing with. We had a nine-game road trip as part of our first road trip of the year, so it's never easy to have to play that many games on the road uh, to start your season, but we're, we're in a bit of a homestand now. We're, we're currently in North Carolina just for three games, but we come back tomorrow to start a six-game homestand, which is part of 13 out of 16 games at home, so hopefully that'll get us moving in the right direction. We've won back-to-back games down in North Carolina against another team that's playing very well. So the hope is that things are starting to trend in the right direction. And the good news is in the Atlantic League, 
we play two halves. So even if you don't win the first half, and which guarantees you a playoff berth, you can kind of retool, reassess, build your team up, and then go out there and win the second half. And that'll get you in the playoffs. So uh, in terms of the on-field product, I think the biggest thing right now that we're looking for as a group is just trying to get everything to click. It seems like some games we're hitting the ball real well, but not pitching well. The next night, we pitch really well, but we don't get the big hits that we need in timely situations. A few mistakes defensively at critical times, and it's it just felt like we haven't been able to piece it all together. But um, I know you know our staff is working hard here to try and uh, assess where we can improve, what different players we can bring in um, with the limited you know other talent that's out there right now. And the goal is obviously the same as it always is, is to get back to the championship series, which we've done five years in a row now, and, and win it. Right. Can you just tell some of our panel? Because some of our panel is are different from the last time you were on the show. Sure. And maybe they're not familiar with the Atlantic League and what the Atlantic League is and who are the players there and, sure. and et cetera, et cetera, about the league. Sure. So the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball is the highest level of, um, of independent baseball, meaning it's not directly affiliated with a major league club, with one specific club. So for example, the Brooklyn Cyclones, they're now the high A affiliate of the New York Mets. We don't have a direct affiliation with one specific club, but we are Major League Baseball's first ever professional partner league. So we have an exclusive relationship with Major League Baseball. We're one of the only leagues. In fact, I think we are the only league that has a direct transfer agreement between our league and Major League Baseball organizations for the transfer of players when they want to purchase the contract of one of our players. Any of the 30 major league teams can do that. So, um, for example, Brett Kennedy, who was a starting pitcher for us at the beginning of the year, he had previously pitched with the San Diego Padres back in 2018, started real well. The Red Sox wanted to sign him, so they purchased his contract from, from us, and he's now pitching uh, with the AA Portland uh, Sea Dogs up in Maine. Um, so that's great news for him. We also had some other really exciting news this week. Jose Quas, who's actually a native of Queens from Woodhaven, he uh, pitched for us in parts of 2018, 19, and 2021. He came to us after he came up in the Milwaukee Brewers organization as an infielder, struggled there, got released. Uh, he was basically working at FedEx, and his brother kept telling him, keep your hopes alive, keep working at it. They would go out to the field at night, pitch under one light. Uh, eventually, his agent called us, wanted him to have an opportunity as a pitcher here. We gave him that shot in 2018, and now four years later, he just made his major league debut uh, on Tuesday night for the Kansas City Royals against Cleveland. So uh, it's an incredible story for him. He's the fourth guy that has played here and gone on to make his major league debut and the 24th player in our team's history that has played here and then gotten to the big leagues afterwards. So uh, we couldn't be more proud of him. It's great that he's a New York product as well, uh, but it's one of the more feel-good stories that you'll see. Uh, and that's what our league prides itself on. It's giving guys a chance or a second chance at continuing their careers. If they get released by a major league club, they're not in Mexico, they're not in Taiwan, whatever it may be, giving them a chance to be able to get to that major league level uh, and keep their hopes alive. So, As a ball player, if it turned down, <laughs> if their contract is purchased, and they say, nah, I like it here. Right. Now, Does anyone have done rare. that? <laughs> it's very rare. I think the only time is if you see a guy who's, who's played the game for a real long time, a team wants to sign him, but wants to send him to maybe like high A or double A or something like that. 
In that case, you might see him say, you know what, I'd rather stay here and, and try my luck here. To oh, get so it has happened. Time. I was making a yeah, joke out of it. No, but it's very yeah. rare. It's very, very rare. Ultimately, guys want a shot to get back in the MLB organization. Yeah. 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 And I, I, go ahead, Larry, go ahead. I'm going to ask a question. Uh, how does your games differ from M MLB? Is it nine innings and so forth? It, it's for the most part the same. You know, we follow – almost all of the major league rules. One of the areas, uh, it is a nine inning game. The only time you'll see otherwise is if we play single admission double headers, we'll do two seven inning games. Sometimes when it's a split gate double header, they'll do one seven, one nine, just to try and ease the burden on players. Um, but almost all the rules are the same. The one big difference is with our partnership with major league baseball, the Atlantic league has been used as kind of a testing ground for different experimental rules and playing initiatives to try and see if, how much of an effect it has on the game. Um, the biggest thing we did really in the last year and a half coming into this year was using an automated ball strike system. So basically an electronic strike zone where we use TrackMan radar technology and it would relay into the umpire's ear whether a pitch was a ball or a strike. Uh, we used that for the second half of 2019 and in 2021. It's no longer being used this year, although we still have the TrackMan technology in the ballpark for different analytical stats. Um, but two rules, for example, that we're using in our league that's different is we you use what's called a double hook designated hitter rule, which is if the starting pitcher is removed from the game before the end of the fifth inning, the team loses its designated hitter for the rest of the game. Wow. So it's kind of like a hybrid of American and, and National League rules, although right now the NL is using the DH. So um, at this point, it's a universal DH in Major League Baseball, but previously it wasn't. Right, uh, right. So that's one of the big rules we do. The other is um, a wild pitch rule where at any time that the ball's not caught by the catcher, say it goes back to the backstop or kicks away, a batter can try and take first base. It doesn't have to be a drop third strike. It could be at any point in the at-bat. And if he reaches safely, he'll get credit for a hit. It's another thing that's being done differently this year. They're trying to get more action into the game of baseball, more base runners, and trying to get away from the three true outcomes of a walk, a strikeout, or a home run, which has pretty much dominated the game in recent years. So uh, we've seen some guys do it. It's not common that they do it. And usually when they do, it's late in the game when they're trying to rally back or, or to take a lead. That's when you usually see that happen. So I like, like a first pitch, first pitch to a yep. batter, if it gets by the catcher, he could take off take for first base. base. Yep. Wow. Correct. I wanted to know about that automatic strike, uh, the automated umpire. So sure. the umpire crouches over like he's looking, and and you went if you didn't if you just tuned it on, if it was on TV and you saw it, you would not know unless you were informed it's going on. It looks like the umpire yeah. is looking, but he hears something in his ear to, to designate strike a ball. That's it. Correct. Yep. So wow. the way it worked was that we had the TrackMan radar technology. It fed into a system in our press box um, and we had a major league baseball representative that operated it. So basically the pitch would come in, it would immediately say in the umpire's ear, ball or strike. And then the umpire would make the call, but it wasn't the umpire's decision, whether it was a ball or a strike, it was through the, through the electronic strike zone. And uh, obviously the umpire had the ability to overturn an egregious call, say if the ball bounced and went through the strike zone, he obviously would not call that a strike. Oh, well, I didn't realize they could, they could overturn what they hear in the ear. If it's an egregious mistake, like it bounced and went through. Other than that, they can't overturn. Uh, so you've never seen the umpire listen. And let's say he says ball and the umpire. 
doesn't no. do one of those things. No. Major League Baseball <laughs> said you have to go by what it says unless yeah. it's a clear mistake. So, go ahead, Larry. Yeah. Uh, how long is your season? So this year is a 132-game season. Oh, wow. It's typically anywhere between 126 and 140 games. Last year was shortened to 100 because of the pandemic, or 120, excuse me, because of the pandemic. But uh, this year is 132 games split up into two 66-game halves. And uh, it's an unbalanced schedule, so we're not playing everybody the same amount of times like we have in the past. They're emphasizing more of the local geographical matchups. And one of the big things that changed in the Atlantic League this year is for the first time ever, we now have 10 teams in the league. It's always been six or eight. Now we have 10, and one of the newest teams is the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, who uh, play at the same ballpark that the Staten Island Yankees used to play at, um, at St. George on Staten Island, right next to the ferry terminal. Uh, they're managed by former Met, Edgardo Alfonso. Their pitching coach is a former Met, Nelson Figueroa. They're actually both former Duck players as well. Um, and we play them in what we dubbed the Battle of the Belt. That's the new rivalry series that we play them in. So we're actually playing them this weekend here on Long Island. Next weekend, we go to visit their ballpark for the first time ever. And uh, we play 34 games, which is, equates to a little over a quarter of our season, all against Staten Island. Wow. I heard they're off to a tough start. They are off to a tough start. That's yeah. They had to start with, I think it was like 10 or something games on the road. And they, they really struggled on the road this year. Um, overall, though, yeah, they've, they've gotten off to a slow start. I, I think they certainly are looking to improve some of the talent on their roster. They have arguably the best pitcher in the league right now. Former Braves pitcher Julio Tehran is with them. Okay. Um, and one of Roger Clemens' sons, Casey Clemens, is with them. Um, but they certainly are looking to try and improve upon what they've done. And obviously it's so early in the year that there's still plenty of time to do that. Yeah. Cody came up. Cody, Cody, is that his name? Cody yep, Clemens? just got called He's up by the Tigers. The Tigers, yeah. yeah. And uh, Kobe Clemens used to play in our league for the Sugar Land Skiers. <clears throat> but Roger had a lot of sons, huh? Yeah, all with yeah. the name K. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Michael. Yeah, Hello, hi. Michael. Hi, Michael. Yes. Another bike yep. lesson. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, uh, what is your home run call? Huh. So uh, <laughs> I don't really know how it started, but one of my early games that I broadcast in either 2010 or 2011, I was calling the action and, and the guy hit like an unbelievable bomb. I want to say it was Robinson Cancel, who was a catcher for us in 2010, and he crushed it so hard. I was like, deep to left. Oh, you can forget it. And since that, that's always stuck. Just you mm. can forget it. Well, that's great. And how about your sign off? How do you like? I I've always asked uh, Mark to have something interesting to say at the end of the podcast. What, that's how do you, one thing I haven't done. It's the it's the same, you know, just typical that we read promoting the next game and thanking fans. But I don't have a signature Walter Cronkite sign off. <laughs> now, Michael, you're just on the internet, correct? At the moment, correct. So everything is done through our website liducks.com, as well as our Facebook and our YouTube channels. And how's your uh... Or audience, do you, do you get numbers on how? Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly not you know in. thousands of fans a game that are tuning in, but we're usually into into the couple of hundreds each night that are tuning in. Um, it tends to go up when we're on the road, especially because people want to be able to follow the team that aren't here at the ballpark. Um, it also tends to go up a lot on fireworks nights because usually mm -hmm. our camera person will tilt it up to the fireworks after the game, yeah. so if they can't come out, they want to be able to see it even though they mm -hmm. can't really hear it. I see your mother's on the screen here, but she's not showing her face. She's camera shy, yeah. She's camera, camera shy. But I know she's one of your fans and it's a regular. <laughs> she's, she's always Plus a big one fan. every every game. 
Who else has a question? Okay, Gerald, hi. Hi. Hi, Michael. Hi. Did you uh, get to know Bud Harrelson? I did get to know him fairly well. Uh, it, it's a shame that he's not here at the ballpark anymore. Obviously, uh, it's been fairly widely reported that he's dealing with Alzheimer's right now. Oh. Um, but he, he was one of the best guys you could ever be around. I mean, when he was here, it brought a different energy to our staff, to our clubhouse, to our, our players and coaches. Um, he's just got that infectious personality. And the stories he'll, he would go on and tell you every single day just from his playing days, you, you could sit there and listen forever. I remember early in my career, I, I would do interviews with him. I'd ask him maybe two questions and it would take about eight, eight to 10 minutes worth of content just from him going on and talking about all the different things that he experienced in his career. Um, he once made shirts for the team that's in loosey goosey. That was always his, his big uh, phrase that he wanted his players to stay loosey goosey when they played out on the field. But uh, I love buddy. He's, he's the best. Thank you. Yeah. So, you, so can you tell us some of the other players, famous players, uh, former major leaguers on the roster right now? I know you have Lou Ford. Now. Yep. So Lou Ford is, is probably the most well-known player now in franchise history, the all-time hits leader, uh, approaching the all-time games played record, still at 45 years old. He's going out and playing, still can hit the ball well, um, but he also is knowing where he is, taking a lot more of his focus onto his role as a hitting coach for the team. Um, but he's, he's obviously well-known. It seems like this year we, we've, for whatever reason, delved into the former Red Sox pool. So we have Sam Travis, who spent parts of three years with the Red Sox, Rusny Castillo, who spent parts of three years there and, and received a ton of money from them. Um, Devin Marrero is our, sec our shortstop. He also spent time there. Um, Tyler Webb is our closer. He spent parts of five or six seasons, I believe it was, in the big leagues. His first was with the Yankees. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the most notable former major leaguers. Sandy Baez is a, a relief pitcher of ours who was with the Tigers. I had mentioned Brett Kennedy before. Um, but those are probably the most notable names uh, that we've saw, had on the uh, roster this year. I saw Alejandra Daza. That's another one. That's right. Another I, I forget about him because he didn't start the year with us. But, yes, Alejandro yeah. Daza, who always seemed to kill us last year when he was with the uh, – the Lancaster Barnstormers in our league, and we former signed Met. him earlier this year. Former Met, ten years in the big leagues he spent. Tarpley still playing with you? Yep. Tarpley, yep, Tarpley. Yep. He's going to start, I think, Saturday night for us. He struck out nine actually his last time out, his best outing of the year. Um, but yep, he's still with us too. And Mazzilli's son is still there. And LJ oh, Mazzilli, yep. Lee Mazzilli's yeah. son is still with us. Uh, too. Third they season. never made it. Oh, we got some more people want to ask a few questions. Ahead, Stephen, Stephen R. Uh, Michael, at the beginning when the Ducks started, the players used to live with people in the neighborhood. Is that still going on? In some cases, yes, but certainly not as, as much as it was in the beginning. I kind of get the sense that Long Islanders have become very private and, and not wanting to open their homes as much as they used to. But we're still looking every year for host families. So if any of you want to open your home to a Duck player, know of somebody who, who thinks it might be um, a fun experience for them or, or has the space, please feel free to reach out and let us know. Um, that's a huge part of what we do and, and will help get us better players to come here because obviously it's important for them to be able to have affordable housing. And as all of you know, that's very hard to find on Long Island. Will they pose for a picture, Money King? Oh, sure, I'm sure they will. <laughs> <clears throat> Who else wanted to have a question for, uh, for Michael? Danny. Yeah, yeah hi. I saw you had to step away for a couple of minutes. I've 
Smoke has to take care of. Uh, my question is, how do you follow the other ducks? I mean, uh, you you broadcast, but where do you broadcast? You know, how does that work? So we broadcast all of our games. Uh, they're either on our website, liducks.com, right there on the homepage. We also broadcast on our Facebook in our Facebook uh, feed, which is facebook.com slash liducks, and our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash ducksbaseball. So obviously our home games are here on Long Island. We broadcast all our games here, and then we travel to all the other ballparks that we play at. Um, there's two in Pennsylvania, York and Lancaster. There's one in Southern Maryland. There uh, is one in Charleston, West Virginia, one in Lexington, Kentucky, obviously Staten Island, as we talked about. And there's two in North Carolina, one in High Point, one in Gastonia. So it's all on social media. Yep. Everything is website and social media. Yep. And you I, know, when, when Michael was broadcasting on the radio station, I forgot what station it was. It didn't travel. It wasn't a very strong signal. Right. Yeah. So the internet was, uh, gets you further away. It does. Yeah. LI News Radio and, and My Country 96.1 <laughs> FM we broadcast on before and their signals just didn't really travel too far where we felt like every, every, everything is going digital nowadays anyway. It's probably the best way to do it, and fans can get a video and video feed and audio for every game now. Yeah. I told yeah, you that story that we went to, when, when you went to when – we, when we went to see you, uh, the team play, I, I'm known to leave early, and everyone on the screen knows that. I always leave the games early, but I wanted this time to leave early and tune on the radio to actually hear you. But once I got further into Nassau County, I well not even just made Nassau County, then we lost the signal back right. in the days. Right. So I'm it, sorry, it, Danny. Sorry. No, uh, the one game that I went to uh, a couple of years ago, I uh, found out that uh, the the owners of the Ducks also own other teams in the same league. Isn't that sort of a conflict of interest a little <laughs> bit, or is that still the same case? Uh, it's not really so much the case anymore. I, it used to have been a lot of it in some cases. I can understand that mentality, but ultimately the biggest thing was keeping the league going and keeping a lot of those teams going. Uh, that was a big portion of it. You know, in the, in those cases, each owner that did that, they still had their one true team and they were kind of more just helping keep the other ones afloat mm -hmm. um, because they were dealing with certain other issues. But right now that's uh, outside of one case. That's not really the issue. The only one that does is um, the owner for Lexington and Charleston. It's the same ownership group, and they were the same ownership group back when they were affiliated MLB teams. Oh. So, uh, so, have, so, so, so the Ducks are the, the principal investment that they have. Correct. Yeah. So, for example, our founder and CEO, Frank Fulton, and, and owner, this was his team. Yes. And how long has the team been in existence? So 22 seasons now. We started in April of 2000 was our first season. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the word ducks came from, I think. It, it oh, right. You asked me that before. So a lot of it is attributed to the, the former hockey team that played on Long Island, the Long Island oh. Ducks hockey team that played at the famous oh. Comac Arena. That's right. That's where uh, a lot of the name is is inked to. Um, I know there's a lot of famous duck farming heritage on Long Island, especially out right. on the East End. Um, but I think a lot of it is attributed to the to the ducks hockey team. Okay. Thank you. Yep. We're looking to go go there maybe in August. Uh... We're trying to work something out with uh, the temple. Perfect. So we might we might see you in August. Milton, go ahead. Yeah, um, Michael. I know a couple of years ago, a local boy played for you, Katz, Alex Katz. Do you know sure. what happened to him? Where he's playing? Or sure. So he actually was with us in 2019. He was with us again in spring training this year. 
Um, the last I saw, he was playing with the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, actually. They had signed him, and he was pitching for Staten Island. He's still there. Yep, he's still in our league. He's just pitching for the Ferry Hawks. We're trying to get him on the show here, but... uh, Which is the parent team of the Staten Island? So, there is no parent team. They used to be the Staten Island Yankees. They used to be an affiliate of the Yankees, but um, they lost their affiliation in 2020. So, now they're just... They're playing in our league, and there's no direct parent club for them. That's every team in the league has no parent club. Right. Yeah. Steven? Michael, what's the salary structure for players? So the usually minimum? they make anywhere between about eight hundred and three thousand a month. Uh, three thousand a month is the the max salary. Each team has a salary cap that they have to stick to, um, and that includes any players that are on the active or inactive list. Uh, disabled list players don't count towards that. Reserve list things like that, but um, anybody who's active or inactive, they have to stick to that salary cap. And it's a twenty-seven man roster. Michael, are there? Yeah, hi again. Uh, are there any uh, other announcers whose style you emulate? I read that uh, you you liked uh, uh, Vince Scully, and who didn't? Right. I remember Mel Allen is one of my favorites. You know. So, are there any other, right. other announcers that you've listened to and and followed and emulate? You know, I I've always felt like I've never really wanted to try and emulate one specific announcer. I feel like everybody kind of does their own thing. Um, I grew up as a huge Yankee fan. I still am, but you know, growing up, I listened to Michael Kay and John Sterling all the time. You know, those are the guys I grew up listening to. Um, but I loved, you know, a lot of the different analysts that were involved. Jim Cott was one of my favorites to always listen to. Um, I loved Sunday night baseball when I grew up on ESPN with John Miller and Joe Morgan. Oh, man. I missed them tremendously. They were a blast to listen to. But yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, Vince Scully's a legend. He's a guy who knows how to do it. He's done it forever. Uh, I've had a great relationship with Kenny Albert over the years, and, and he's been very helpful to me in my career. So getting to listen to him and admire him getting a call action for every single sport you can think of uh, and the amount of travel he goes through is, is admirable. So those are just some of the guys that I listen to and I've, I've tried to, you know, listen and take pieces from when I interned with the L.A. Kings in Los Angeles. I, I often listen to Nick Nixon, who is there. Uh, radio play-by-play and, and try to listen to a little bit about what he does and you, you pick pick up little things that they try and do and you know you, if you hear one way they phrase something you say oh you know what that's a good way I, I never thought about phrasing something like that what do you think from the uh the Tampa Bay uh uh lightning who goes berserk during the game yeah, I've never been one to go berserk during a game, except, yeah, right. except for Dan Lyons bunt in the 2012 championship series that won it all. But that's kind of one where, you know, a, a walk-off bunt to win a championship is is pretty wild scene. <laughs> that's right. You ever have any contact with Michael Kay and the uh, the rest of the uh, broadcasting crew for the Yankees? Let it be radio or TV? Did I ever have any what? You have any contact with them at all? Uh, not specific direct contact, but, uh, my mom can tell you when, when I was getting bar mitzvah, she was able to get me into the broadcast booth there to, to meet John Sterling and Michael Kay. So that's probably the most in-depth contact that I've had with them. Well, you guys, uh, on the screen should definitely, and you guys listening on Spotify and Apple iTunes should log into the, uh, the the, 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 uh, the site, the Long Island Ducks and see when they're playing and, and, Tap into uh, hear Michael call the game. It should Absolutely. be cool. You have Take the face. I will now. We'll hear the voice on. Can I ask one question? One more question, Mark. 
Yeah, yeah, more. Yeah, one more question. Uh, Michael, when there's a real spectacular play, like uh, Aaron Judge's walk-off a couple of days ago or something of that nature, there are two schools of thought with the announcers. Uh, would you just say there's a long drive gone and wait like uh, 30 seconds for the uh, the crowd to go bananas or go like John Sterling goes and just uh, spend the next 10 minutes going bananas? Huh. You know what I mean? I definitely wouldn't spend the next 10 minutes going bananas. But <laughs> one thing that I have seen uh, and I've tried to start emulating if I can is when there's a huge moment like that and there's a big crowd here, you want to let the crowd do the talking. So the perfect example I could give is um, game seven of the Rangers first round of the postseason. Kenny Albert, I believe, was calling the game on TV. Artemi Panarin scores the game winner and there was silence for probably about a minute and a half after. Um, now, I don't know if I would be silent for a minute and a half, but I think it, it told the whole story. You just want to, as a broadcaster, you're bringing the experience to the fans and you want it to make it seem like they're there. So that's a game seven overtime winner that rarely happens. And when it does happen, you want to let the crowd noise speak for itself. Thank you. I like your answer. Thank but you. that means that 70 years later, when they when they hear the replay of the game, the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant, the Gi you won't have that. That's <laughs> so true. There are a lot of very famous <laughs> calls from things like that. You know, of yeah. course, if we're talking about Rangers, Mato, Mato, Mato. So uh, there's a lot of calls like that that certainly people remember for uh, how they answer. I'm all for going crazy on a, on a big call. You just want to do it in a professional manner, in an iconic manner. You don't want to just do it where – you hear guys screaming and it seems like they're standing up, hugging each other, going crazy in the booth. You know, you have a job to do. It's not your job to celebrate and go crazy. It's your job to bring the moment to the fans. Good. Good. Thank Good. you. Anybody right. else want to add? Well, no, Michael has to go soon. Michael, I just wanted to ask a quick question. How yeah. many how many fans do you have attending the ball games? So we've averaged about 4,000 fans per game this year. Um, last year, we had mo the most fans of any MLB partner league, both in total attendance and average attendance. So we average about 4,000 fans a night uh, on some of our fireworks nights. So you should get between 5,500 and 6,000 fans. The ballpark seats 6,000 too. Okay. All okay. right. All right. Well, Michael, one more. He has to yeah, go. Uh, Michael, how does here's my question because Mel Allen was one of my favorite announcers, and he could say something like, there's a ground ball over second into center for a base hit. How descriptive can you be and how are you for, uh, you know, certain plays? Can, can you, uh, do you, do you feel like you, you explain what has happened as it's happening really, really well? I try and be fairly descriptive, especially when we're on the road, because when we're on the road, it's just a stationary camera in our booth. So it's hard to, you know, there's no zooming in on the play. It's harder for people to see as, as, well on the road than it is at home so i kind of treat it like a radio broadcast but i definitely think it's very important to be descriptive especially if people have it on in the background while they're cooking while they're doing some other work around the house you want to be able to be as descriptive as you can be right you gotta you gotta hear him michael is, is excellent uh, and uh for some of us who've, who've heard you i mean i, I played him mark I, i've heard him I, very good very i give good. you an a plus you. In, you, in your efforts there Okay. I greatly appreciate the kind words. Okay. I appreciate you coming on. My Mark. pleasure. And uh, you were very interesting, and I, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, good luck the rest of the first half. 
Thank you. And we'll look, you, look for you to take over first place on the second half. And uh, we'll see you in the championship Thanks. series again. Thank Sounds you, great Michael. to me. I hope to see you Thank all at the you. ballpark Thank at some point this summer. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Michael. Been great. Thank you. Good to see you, Michael. Okay. Michael has gone. <laughs> Michael has left the ballpark. <laughs> okay. So I hope you enjoyed that. You got a little insight of someone who's, they're, prof they're professionals, they're pros, uh, waiting for their, their, their break. Some of them already had their, had their chance and they want to keep on playing. And some of them are young kids who are looking for uh, a major league team to eye them and, and sign them and bring them aboard. I can't imagine anyone saying no, but he said there were some people who said Mark, no. Mark, I thought you were available. Yeah, I know, I know. Big the money. Arm, the, the Big arm money. Is gone. My legs are gone. Once the legs go, you can't do it anymore. <laughs> I, need the, Mark, I need those legs. Mark, did you, ever, did you ever practice announcing? You know, just pretend? Of course. Didn't we all practice announcing growing up? Didn't we ever, like, make the, the sound uh, zero mm. and you watch the action and you talk, you're talking to nobody, really? And I used to play a game when I was growing up with my baseball cards. Before, before we learned the value of cards, I used to take my cards, make teams with them, put them mm. on my bed, mm. put them in positions, and make a little ball from a piece of paper, make believe the pitchers throw into the batter. The batter would hit the piece of paper, rolled up, and I would announce it. Very I would do nice. this every single day, hour after, that's all I did. I was like a hermit, I went out of my house. And then I remember times my parents came in and said, shut the hell up! <laughs> because I was getting Very really nice. excited, wow. you know what I mean? I remember one time I was doing it on a Sunday morning and they wanted to sleep and I'm playing like at seven in the morning, a game on my bed, and my mom came in, and I always loved my mom, but when she ripped up a 1958 uh, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, and Hector oh. Lopez. <laughs> oh. Oh. I always remember that, you know. I, and I even told her as in her in her last days. I always remember that, Mom. <laughs> you ever you ever play uh, you ever play miniature baseball with your sons? Like for example, you're you're uh, you're like you're literally having a catch. Usually you start by having a catch, right? But yeah. then you make it into a game where all right, Derek Jeter is up, and you throw him a ground ball, and he has to. Feel the ground ball, throw it back to you, and you announce it. Yeah, as it's yeah, going. yeah. We right. played a game in the street growing right. up. I must have been, I don't know, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. Uh, we called the grounders. Okay. Uh, one person would be the thrower and the announcer, and we'd have a guy in the infield and the one in the street. One guy would be short, and the one guy would be deep. And you make a like, here's uh, that before, before Derek Erie. Derek, like, say, Bobby right. Richardson. Well, of course. Right. And he would hit a ground ball, and you would announce ground ball and picked up and thrown the first. All right, they got him. Yeah. And then when Mickey Mantle comes up, you throw it over everybody's head, right? That was your idea. You, you showed your. Uh... Didn't you guys play Fungo? Yeah, Fungo. Yeah. 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 Oh, bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. We could talk so, about that another time. It just started pouring by me. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It I'm just started. Much and rest. I, and yeah. everybody, right? And with Except no Joe. Dark, yeah, yeah. And no, and no gas in my house. And we did a wash today, and I throw it outside to dry, oh. drip dry, and it's all drenched again. So I'm ruined. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm happy Michael came on. He was been taking a bath, right? Very good, Mark. Okay, good. Mark, you've been taking a bath. 
I, I shower. Cold water showers. Cold shower. you know what I mean? water. water. I got to bring the water to me. I can't go to the water. <laughs> There's a story there, but let's not do it. Let's go on to some of our stuff. I know some of you have stories. Gerald, do you want to talk about your uh, your numbers today? I don't want to lose this number. Show number 109. What do you want to do yes. with 109, Gerald? 109. Yes. 109, I am highlighting, therefore, the 1955 MLB season. Explain again, explain again how you got 1955. Wait a second, friends. I thought that was PT 109. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's wrong. Well, the, uh, it, it's acknowledged that the first baseball game was played in 1846, and our formula is to add 1846 <laughs> to the number of marks show, which happens to be 109, and that gets us to 1955. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's what happened. So, uh, key statistics for 1955 batting averages Richie Ashburn, 338. Um, Al Kaline, 340. He was the youngest uh, player ever to win a batting title. He was one day younger than Ty Cobb. Oh. Home runs Willie Mays, 51. Mickey Mantle, 37. RBIs Edwin Donald Duke Snyder, 136. Ray Boone, Detroit, 116, and Jackie Jensen, Red Sox, 116. Everybody knows Jackie Jensen was the first uh, All-American who also played in the World Series. Uh, winning percentages, Don Newcomb, 800, Tommy Byrne, and Whitey Ford, 762. The Dodgers won the World Series. Uh, in, in Brooklyn, of course, it was the first and only World Series championship when the Dodgers were domiciled in Brooklyn. Johnny Padres was the MVP, having won the seventh game. Quick story about Johnny Padres. Johnny always thanked Whitey Ford for giving him the chance to win the seventh game of the World Series and put him on the map because if Whitey didn't win the, the sixth game, he never would have uh, participated in the seventh game. Uh, Brooklyn Dodger uh, pitcher Don Newcomb hit, hit a, uh, a clutch triple and was the only uh, player of the decade to steal home. In his first MLB start, uh, Pirate pitcher Al Grunwald threw for the cycle, surrendering a single double, triple, and home run in one inning. Elson Howe became the first Afro-American to play for the Yankees. Phillies, Red Sox, and Tigers, as of that point in time, 1955, I guess it was, they, they uh, did not integrate. Rookies, Sandy Koufax, Harmon Killebrew, Roberto Clemente, and the great Brooks Robinson. <clears throat> On August 15th, Warren Spahn hit a home run at Sportsman's Park. Uh, he, he now has a home run at, ML, at every MLB park. And Robert, Rapid Robert Feller had a one-hitter. And in his career, he had 12 one-hitters, which I think is kind of remarkable. I believe he has three no-hitters. And that's my report. Oh, Mark, who's my sponsor? Oh, you're sponsored by Baby Wipes. Baby Wipes. <laughs> oh, oh Pampers. Baby Wipes. Um, Stephen. Yeah. I have a vague memory about something in 1955. And you, you remember, I mean, the... the uh, Jackie Robinson made his de his professional debut, I think, at, at Roosevelt Stadium. Uh, for some reason, I think I thought that during the, the Dodgers championship year, 
they played a couple of home games at that stadium. Uh, have you uh, have you checked in and see if there's anything? That, that was nineteen fifty. That was nineteen fifty seven, and they played eight games at Roosevelt Field. Very good. I thought they played a few. Uh, when, when no, not in nineteen fifty five. No, and that was Jersey. Roosevelt, Jersey, right? Jersey, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I'm looking at that Johnny Padres uh, record right now. His he first started in '53, so '55 he was nine and ten, and they gave him the honor to pitch that uh, that last game. And one thing I I remember distinctly, and he pitched till 1967, ended up with the Tigers. He pitched '66 and '67 with the Detroit Tigers. I didn't realize that, but he had a uniform number change. What was his uniform? You guys remember his uniform number? Johnny Padres? I'm not sure. 20, but I'm not sure. Uh, Somehow in 55, he was one number. And then later in his career, because 55 was before my time. I mean, I was only five years old, so I didn't know what was going on. But later in his career, when I started getting into the uh, sport, I remember Johnny Padres as a Dodger. Right. A different uniform number. It'd be interesting to see uh, the, the different number. And in 56, he did not play. He was military service. Another one of the guys who went off to military uh, the year after that, that World Series. Oh, yeah, Joe. I believe that Johnny Padres was a major league pitching coach for about 20 years. Yeah, did not know that either. Okay. Thank you for that report. Uh, as far as uh, interesting beep beeps, I found this this week. The New, the New Jersey Generals, that that from the USFL, which nobody is watching. Uh, I think they put all the fans on one side of the stadium, so it looks like it's full. The other side's completely empty. If you sometimes watch it on TV, they have a quarterback. Get this name. They have two quarterbacks. One quarterback is called Default Headshot. Default headshot. Okay. Mark. Mark. Yes, sir. Padres wore 22 in LA. That's what I got so far. Yeah, I also saw a 45. If you check the old, the old, the old pictures right, well, uh, in Brooklyn, I think he wore 45 when he got that uh, when he pitched that World Series. Yeah. That's then, exactly right. Of course. Don't, okay. Don't doubt, don't doubt me. So the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have a pitcher named Will Vest. Like you wear a vest with a three-piece suit. Vest. Vest. I thought that was interesting. Okay. So we want to go from here. You want to go on to uh, forget about what happened today in sport because I want to hear you guys talk. Michael, you have a daily rant? A weekly rant? Oh, oh, do I? Of course. Okay. By way, sponsored by Rubber Duckies. <laughs> Rubber Duckies. You're the one. I know that's... Yeah, I know what do, what do you got for this week for a rant? Oh. Well, first of all, uh, I don't know if everybody realizes or anybody realizes uh, how uh, it was. Uh, he was maligned very, very much, Cashman, over uh, uh, not getting a catcher and not getting a shortstop. But meanwhile, arguably, the best catcher in baseball is Jose Trevino, who every other catcher in baseball, the average batting average is 218. Does anybody have any idea what uh, Trevino's batting? 260, maybe? He's batting 370, 
uh, I don't know, a decent amount of bats, you know, as much as, and, you know, he, he splits his time with Hagashioka, but a decent amount of his bats. He's a damn good catcher. And today, you know what he did? If you were watching the game, he picked off, uh, not him, but uh, uh, he, he uh, not, I'm sorry, he didn't pick him off. Uh, uh, Nesta Cortez picked off uh, Otani at first, which was very, very entertaining. But uh, as far as uh, what did I want to, what I wanted to talk about, everybody's complaining about Hicks and Gallo. I mean, there are many, many times that they are just about extra outs. You can say this about the Mets also. The uh, trade deadline is coming up, and who could you possibly get for them? But meanwhile, these are the best two teams in baseball. Of course, I stick with the Yankees. I follow them more. But uh, who's to say that the chemistry of the players that they have right now are the ones who should stay with the Yankees? And like, for example, little by little, Hicks is starting to hit. And Gallo made a spectacular catch the other day. Maybe it's best to keep those two players. But with that being said, the available players, I don't know if I love any of them. I see it's uh, Andrew Biantende, uh, Carl uh, Calhoun, Cole Calhoun, uh, Ian Hatt, David Peralta on the Diamondbacks, and then maybe Brian Anderson, uh, Cedric Mullins, who I like, and uh, people are talking about Brian Reynolds. But uh, my, my thing is, uh, leave the Yankees alone. They have the best starting five you ever want to see. And with that, what's going on with the starting five? When the pitchers coming in to pitch these days, the other four pitchers uh, come yeah. out to meet them. And there's a lot of camaraderie in the Yankees. Uh, how are you? They're a very likable team. And uh, I continue to enjoy them. And let's see how the season continues. And that's my story for today. Michael. I see, I see they won today, the Yankees. Michael, they, they, yeah. should, they should have swept Tampa Bay with the pitching that they got. That hitting that came to a halt the last two games. I've seen that over the last few years, especially right. when they're playing. If they get to the playoffs and, and have to play Houston and other teams with good pitches, I just see there's weakness in that batting order. Torres is terrific. Everybody else except that Gallo and, and Hicks. I mean, the people, I'm going to go to the game Saturday, but I bet you they're just boo, you know, booing them. It just seems to me when you're playing the top teams that they're going to also have great pitching the way the Yankees seem to have. That hitting just seems to stop. The same thing. with Matt. They don't move the runners along. There's a, and I'm a great Yankee fan. I just think that something has to be done with those two. Hicks got three hits today. Hooray, hooray. I'm watching the... Uh, All right, great. I, you never great. know I, how to break out of it. You don't know. You know that, That's the entire thing. Gallo is starting to look... Actually, Gallo is one step forward, two steps back. He, he hits, he hits. All of a sudden, he goes with another major funk. No strikeouts today. 0 for 3, but no strikeouts. Wow. <laughs> but they hit four home runs. So once again, it's hit the home run or don't hit the home run, and it'll be a, a really... Uh, Close game with a little. Judge know. made an incredible catch the other night. Uh, I, I, I don't He's think I've ever, I have. I don't think I've have, have seen somebody go that much over the fence to catch a home run. He really was. He's yeah. really incredible. So and and also, what's his name? Looked terrible. It's amazing. He's supposed to be. Uh, he's arguably the best player in baseball, but uh, today he looked terrible. I mean, nothing went right for him. Who? Who? Tani. Otani. Otani. Oh. 
Connie gets picked off first. Uh, gets robbed. By the way, if anybody watched the game, anybody could have hit a home run. Uh, the, the, he threw the dumbest pitch in the world to Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge took care of it. Right? Yeah. He, he just had a terrible game with time. We shall see. Well, tomorrow the night, big, the, stadium, the big uh, key. Can I just say a big yeah, key yeah, to my... the game? Matt Carpenter, he led off the game. And it, I think it was 11, 12, 11 or 12 11 pitches. pitches. Right. So he, he rattled Otani by that. <clears throat> Too many pitches in the first inning. Yeah. So he, he, home he, he looked today off also. the rest of the way. Yeah. Yep. That's the yeah, second, fact, that's the second Matt, give me a clobber Yankee Stadium. In, in fact, Matt Carpenter, his first three hits as a Yankee were all home runs. <laughs> that right? So that was a historic thing he did today. And uh, Carpenter's uh, on-base percentage career-wise is like 368. So he's mm-hmm. a perfect uh, leader. Good, good, yeah, good, good move to pick him up, I thought. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow at the stadium is, is Aaron Judge Bobblehead Day. Oh, so yes. Out of the game, one of the first. I think it's 18,000. The first 18,000 in, get a bobblehead. But if you go tomorrow. But Milton, you're going Saturday. So you picked her. Maybe they'll give you a um, a zipper or something. I don't know. Mark, <laughs> I, remember, you something. I remember going to the Met game when they gave the World Series replicas out. The rings. Yeah, the, that's a good I one, was yeah. there. We were there. That's I love both one. teams. All right, let's move on to Howie's West Coast report. Which is sponsored this week by fire hydrants. What do you call them? Johnny pumps. Or what the heck you call them? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, uh, there was something a few days ago. The uh, Giants manager, Gabe Kapler, who was just upset with all the horrible uh, uh, mass shootings going on, uh, decided not to. Uh, come out and stand for the national anthem. He didn't, he didn't take a knee. He, he didn't go. I don't know what he did exactly. I don't know if that's going to continue uh, over in the future. Uh, I don't know if you've heard Steve Kerr, the, the, uh, the coach of the Warriors, uh, said a pretty thing about the two. Uh, the other news that's a little bit lighter is the slap. You thought that only Will Smith could slap Chris Rock. Well, Tommy Pham before the game slapped uh, Jock Peterson a few times. Yeah, and, uh, mm-hmm. and as it turned out, uh, Peterson even had the receipts <clears throat> known as the proof of why he got slapped. He was making fun of Pham's uh, inability to, uh, to do well in his fantasy baseball league. Yeah, and uh, there was also he made fun of Fam's uh, former team, the Padres. So Fam went crazy, slapped Peterson, and got a, th- and as a result, got a three-day suspension. So it just shows you it's not only the Hollywood stars that are idiots, but the players are idiots too. The other thing I I just heard, and I don't know if it's because the Angels are in New York, and that's why they're, they're putting it out, but. They said that uh, Artie Moreno, the Angels, are going to, is going to go real hard for Aaron Judge in the offseason, bring Judge out to, out to L.A. So uh, Yankees better pony up because there's a 
but the number of teams that will go after him and will pay him what he wants. That's it. There you go. Yeah. Could I add something to uh, yes, what Howie said about, about uh, Steve Carr uh, really, really being upset about what happened in Texas uh, back in the, you know, I don't know how many years ago it was, uh, about 20 years ago, his father was the president of American, the American University in Beirut, Lebanon, and he was assassinated by the Jihad. Right. Mark, 1984. I think 1984. Yeah, yeah, so 1984. Yeah. 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 It's 37, 38 years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, Howie, for the West Coast report. And we'll move on to stories by Larry from Fairfax, Virginia, sponsored this week by license plates. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. The story this week is entitled, Is There a Hot Hand in Basketball Shooting? A hot hand in basketball is the expectation that a high scorer would keep on scoring, showing an unusual streak of baskets. Basketball players swear by the hot hand, but many academics say it is an illusion. Judge for yourself with the following evidence on both sides of the issue. First, the evidence of hot hands in basketball shooting. On January 23, 2015, Golden State Warrior Clay Thompson scored 37 points in a quarter against the Sacramento Kings. This topped the previous quarterly record of 33 points that was jointly held by George Gervin and Carmelo Anthony. Further, only a few basketball players have scored 60 or more points in a game. Will Chamberlain did it 32 times. Kobe Bryant did it six times, while Michael Jordan and James Harden each did it four times. Finally, in 1991, Craig Hodges of the Chicago Bulls scored 19 three-pointers in the 1991 All-Star Weekend Contest. When such performance streaks occur, many observers and players believe the player in question has a hot hand. <clears throat> now for the evidence that base basketball hot hands are an illusion. A 2003 study by psychologists Jay Kohler and C. Conley examined film from the NBA shooting contest from 1994 to 1997. They found that no shooter had significantly more scoring runs than would be expected by chance. Further, in 1985, psychologists T. Gilvach and A. Tversky, as well as statistician R. Vallone, analyzed regular season shooting performances for the New York Nets, Philadelphia 76ers, and New York Knicks. They found that their shooting streaks were consistent with the random process. Finally, the Gilvalich-Tabersky-Vallone team also invited a bunch of players from Cornell's basketball team to take lots of shots without defenders to see if they could detect any hot hands. They found no streaks that could not be explained by chance despite some of the Cornell players swearing they were hot. 
Final thoughts. <clears throat> According to Wikipedia, the issue of hot hands in basketball shooting is still not a settled matter. Researchers gave a questionnaire to 455 basketball fans ranging in age from 22 to 90 years old to see who was more likely to believe in hot basketball shooting. They found that fans over 70 years of age were twice as likely to believe in hot hands than those age 49. This completes my sports story for this week. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Comment? You want to, Alan, you want to say something? Yeah, the truth of the matter is when you play ball, you get in a rhythm. And when you get in a rhythm, you make your shots. Didn't um, Steph Curry in practice make 77 three, three throws in a row? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, three pointers. Three pointers. Three pointers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it takes talent. But the truth of the matter is, there's no way to analyze this. Yeah. Which is why when you see people running down court and they stop and they pull up, they typically make the shot because they're Jimmy in the rhythm. <laughs> That's what Jimmy Butler did. Right. <laughs> right. Should he and, have taken the shot or should he have gone in and, and scored? Hmm. You know, but you got to admit it's a great feeling. You, yeah. you feel it in your bones. Yeah, you get it inside your your mm -hmm. kisses, and you you can't miss a shot. And it's an unbelievable feeling. Have that feeling, yeah. uh, Danny. You wanted to add to this? Yeah, it's it's the whole subject is not an issue of hot hands or not. It's a it's just a way of expressing it. It's like in any other sport. It <clears throat> it's it has to do with timing. The ability to execute in some in some situations, the equipment that you have, whether it's golf or bowling or basketball. I mean, basketball, the 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 ball is uniform uh, all around, but it's the ability to consistent execution. Um, you could have the best equipment in the world that you could be using if you don't know how to properly execute and maintain your timing. You look at baseball players that. Are, are batting very high it is their, their ability to consistently <clears throat> execute. Once a little bit of their timing is off, it's time, it's very tough to get back to get rid of that because when you practice a lot, such as what you mentioned about Steph Curry, you run the risk of developing potentially a bad habit. And, and that's why the practice that you do has to be very well examined. That's my comment. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and good job there, uh, Larry. I'll listen to your stories there. Good stories. All right. Uh, before we go on to the hockey portion, I got a little uh, text here from one of our friends, uh, Steve. He says he has two tickets for tomorrow night's game. Then you interested the playoff game, the Ranger game. Uh, you guys know the prices. He says section 211. You guys know where that is? My hockey yep. guys, section yep. 211, row 10. And he got two tickets. He wants 850 bucks. Good for him. For two. <laughs> if you're interested, let me I'll know. I'll give him 80, 85. Well, I don't know. What, they, what are they going for? I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm paying for this round. I'm in 226. Okay. Row 16. It's, it's a little further back. He's at... 
Okay, uh, row 10 is in the lower bowl. It's considered the lower bowl. For, so they are more expensive than my tickets are going to be. Mine so what's your face amount? What's your face price? Face amount is five, 520 for two. So what's All the, right, the so. what's what's the uh, division? Five twenty divided by two is what? Two sixty. Thank you. Two sixty. Are you a season ticket holder? Two sixty. My so friend is. is. So I'm going to get twenty five a ticket. Wow. So you got face value. Are they making money on this? Yeah. Four twenty. I don't. That's up. That's up to. I'm, well, I don't I'm, know. It's eight eight fifty for the pair. Is he making money? I, I look. That's I don't know. But I'm just telling you what I pay. All right. Friend, you know, it's my friend since uh, public school, so he's not going to charge me. Uh... No, of course not. Of course not. <clears throat> okay. Anyone interested, just let me know. Right, let's go on to the hockey report. I don't know. Fred, do you have uh, a, you want to talk to a fresh Fred or uh, Ron? Why don't you talk? Yeah. Hockey? yeah. I, I, I don't know if you can hear me anyway. Can okay. you? Yeah. Unfortunately. Ron, Ron, why don't you talk about the hockey? That's your baby. All right, I'll, I'll start off. Uh, if we go back one week ago, Thursday, uh, the Rangers uh, was tied up with Carolina 2-2 in that series, and that night the Rangers lost. So down 3-2, going back to the Garden. Uh, of course, the Rangers, they won game six. And up to that point, all the home teams were winning their games. There was no road team that uh, won the game until game seven in Carolina, where the Rangers won decisively a 6-2 win, which well, it's an amazing comeback. This this team, like the express, they're using the expression, no, no quit in New York. That is their uh, uh, thinking right now. So it was an amazing comeback in that series. And so last night I was at the Garden against uh, the Rangers Lightning. The Lightning did have nine days off. Okay, Rangers only had one day off between the series. And everybody was saying that the Rangers, up until yesterday, they never played a good goalie, a number one goalie. Okay. So now Tampa comes in with Vasilevsky, uh, probably the best goalie in the NHL. And I understand, okay, uh, one period of rust, you know, then he gets his legs back under him. Yeah, the Rangers scored on the first, uh, in the first minute, minute and a half of the game. And at the end of one period, score was one up. Okay, mm -hmm. so all right. I figure it's going to be a, a two-to-one game or something like that. But the Rangers just got better. As the, There you go, Roger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they just got better as the game went on. And uh, and there were chances of Igor being better than Vasilevsky last night at the Garden. Igor is better, you know, and... It was just an amazing 6-2 win last night, and the crowd was just going crazy last night. And I can't, I can't wait for uh, – wait, I'm going – game five I'll be going to. So, but it's it was me. truly amazing. Uh, and that's what I have to say about the Rangers. Anybody yeah. – uh, Ron? Yes. Tickets, two tickets, section 225. Row 20, 
337 a piece. So it's less, but it's a little bit higher up, right? 225. Yeah, that, well, that that is where I'm where my seats are considered. Anything row 14 and up is the same price. Gotcha. Oh, is that on StubHub? Vivid seats. Vivid. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I just put it in. I have a I have a TV screen and I watch it on TV. Really? <laughs> How big is your screen? Like a foot? <laughs> Michael. I watched the game yesterday and it was very, very satisfying. And I was mentioning during your, your preview uh, part before we came unofficially, uh, Mika Zibanejad uh, scored a power play goal. I think in all my years of watching the Rangers, I've never seen a more beautiful, beautiful. Oh, oh, he, he scored it toward the end of the power play. It was one of the most beautiful power plays I've ever seen. It's just precision passing like, like you wouldn't want to believe. But I do want to say, and I mentioned this last week, uh, how, what's his name? Sam Rosen is doing it. He's actually subbing for Kenny Albert, who has to do it for TBS uh, elsewhere. So uh, he has uh, contractual uh, uh, some problems. So, so it's uh, how, uh, Sam Rosen doing it on the radio. And he is phenomenal. He's unbelievable, especially the game that the, the Rangers advanced, the countdown, the last minute. It, it was just special. So uh, that's that's one thing I wanted to say. But the other thing, speaking of announcers, if you want to see something or listen to something out of curiosity, of and I mentioned this to uh, Michael Pollock, the biggest nut in broadcasting right now is the Tampa Bay Lightning announcer. And if you really want to hear a, a nut go crazy, the Lightning score. I hope he I hope they don't score too many goals. He's doing. He's also doing the games on radio. But uh, it's very very entertaining and. Although Sean McDonough is good, right? But it's a very generic telecast, especially sometimes ESPN has an angle above the net and you lose your perception. It drives me crazy. But uh, if you really want to uh, enjoy uh, tomorrow night's game, give it a shot. Uh, put your uh, whatever, your Alexa or whatever you have next to your TV and listen to Sam Rosen do a game because as hockey announcers go, I don't think there's any much better than Sam Rose. Okay. All right. Yeah, Roger. Hi. Raj? Yeah. Whoop. One second. We hear you. Okay. Hear you now. Sorry. Uh, just uh, two observations. I know this is something Ron, I think, uh, spoke about the last year or two, how with Rangers with all those high draft picks, in a couple of years, we were going to see the fruition of that. And it looks like we are. And the average age, I think, is only about 27 on the on the Rangers. Is that correct, Ron? That, that's probably about right. And then they have what they call the kid line. Where they have they were phenomenal last Marco night. And Heedle. Yeah. I mean, the average age on that line is like 21, 22. Yeah. Oh, they were great last night. Yeah. And, and one other thing, I know those of you who watched the series against Carolina, uh, if you watched every game, face-offs. We could not win a face-off against I, Carolina. No, no. It was an amazing disparity. Last night, the Rangers were the better face-off team. Hmm. Which, you did well. Which, which, so, yeah, yeah, so well, the penalties that were distributed at the end of the game with all the fighting that was going on, they didn't say on TV whether any of those carry over into the next game or what the consequences of those are. 
or is it just simply the game is over and it's done? I mean, six 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 skaters walked off from both teams and went to the yeah, locker no, room they, with two minutes left. They were all two minute penalties, actually, basically yeah. for roughing. Yeah, uh, two players, I think, uh, who was a Reeves and Maroon was sent to the dressing room, basically, because they didn't want them out on in, anywhere near the ice. But, no, they were basically all minor penalties, so nothing's going to carry over uh, to the Would next Would it carry game. over if they get 10 minutes or game misconduct? No, no. No. I, I mean, no? unless they it, something was suspension-worthy. Okay. Okay. And, of course, the Avalanche and the Oilers, game two is tonight. Yeah. Yeah, now, now the interesting thing about that series is the first game was eight to six, yeah. which was basically a shootout. Uh, so Edmund, Edmonton is, they pulled their goalie after giving up like six goals. And then later in the game, the Colorado goalie got hurt. Apparently it's a vision problem, which I guess for a goalie isn't the greatest uh, thing to have. So it, it kind of makes you think that whoever might come out of the East might ha, has a great chance to be the next Stanley Cup champion, whoever it is. So only time will tell. You have to play the games and see what happens. That's okay. it. Thank you for that update on Let's Go Rangers. There you go. And then, oh, wait, the beard. I got at least another week for the beard, so let's get <laughs> on the hockey beard. Yeah, very good. Let's go on to the uh, the NBA Finals, which I think begins tonight. Yeah. Correct. Who wants to talk yeah, about that? Right. Yeah. Fred, you want to talk about that? Uh, I'm going to pass. I'm a, I'm, right, I'm a little right. horse. Why don't you let Howie talk about it? That's his, that's his you baby. You want to talk about yeah. it, baby? Yeah. Right. yeah. W's sixth time in the finals in the last eight years. Uh, I think it's going to be a great series. Uh, I'd be surprised if it doesn't go at least six, if not seven. Uh, and even though you know I favor the Warriors, they're my home team. I really think the series will turn on uh, the play of two players on the Warriors, Alan Wiggins and Jordan Poole, because. The Celtics don't have an answer, are not as deep as, as the Warriors are. So if these guys have a, a you know, uh, at times a good series, certain games, I think that may be the difference. Otherwise, we expect to see the best defense in the NBA against them. Second best defense in the NBA. So sit back and enjoy. Back and enjoy. And um, who you who you picking, uh, Howie? Who you picking? I'm picking the Warriors. Okay. <laughs> there Go ahead, there, Ron. Yeah. Well, Howie. First of all, I'm rooting for the Warriors because being a Laker fan, I can't root for Green. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing is, the Lakers and the Celtics are tied in championships. I don't know if anybody knows that. No. So, we can't have the cell, and and I think the Warriors are going to win anyway. Because let's face it, the Celtics had trouble with a Miami team that had their own injury problems. Yeah, you know, not having Hero for the last few games yeah. in the series, Lowry with whatever his problem wasn't mm -hmm. up. 
So I, I just think the Warriors, I, I would say the Warriors, I'm going to say five. Oh, wow, that's, that's a runaway. Yeah. Rob, five. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I root against the Celtics anyway. I mean, I'm an old New York Knicks fan growing right. up. Right. Hated right. the Celtics. And even when I moved out, even when I moved out here, the Celtics and the Lakers, I root for the Lakers all the time. Yeah, uh, that's why I like you. Joe, you wanted to add to something? Yeah, I just wanted to say that, you know, to what uh, Ron was talking before, that, you know, basically Miami came down to Jimmy Butler and whoever else was on the floor. I think Butler played the entire last game, and he he, he almost made that last shot that would have tied or won the game, but he was he, I'm sure he was so tired at that point. You know, but I think the Celtics are their own worst enemy. They come out flat sometimes for no reason at all, but I think I think that they, if they play up to their potential and they, you know, they bring their A game every game, I think they should win. Should. I think they've got three, you know, three players on that team that are just, uh, you know, when they're at their best, yeah. I, think they, I think they can win. Yeah. And Channel 7 is, uh, ABC is, uh, is broadcasting. Yeah. And Howie, I, I, used to, I used to want to put my fist through the, uh, the TV and, and, you know, and destroy our back cigar every time they want, but, I used, but I used you know, to, but there, you know, it was a long time ago. And I, you know, I, don't, I know. I, know. I mean, I admire, I admire yeah. Celtics. Oh, I did too. Uh, yeah. But uh, every year, uh, Russell I know. Crew would kill the Knicks. It was cruel. Well, eight, 18 <laughs> league, right? It was an 18 league, right? Back in those days, eight teams. Uh, yeah, that's so. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Bill Russell. One other, one other point about the finals: the the late starts are killing, uh, are ridiculous. Nine o'clock after nine o'clock. That's, that's LA. Yeah. LA going to start six o'clock for them. Yeah. I, I was thinking about I, that I too. That, but look, well, why not? The hockey's are starting at eight o'clock even. What, what's wrong? Yeah. And well, there used to be Sunday afternoon, three thirty. If it was a Sunday yeah. game, right? Yeah. Thirty. The Lakers, uh, Pistons. I would watch at three thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, that's surprising because uh, I remember living back east. They used to hate watching Monday night football. They only watched the half. Right. Go to work the next day. Right. right. Moved out here. It's great. <laughs> the, right. Uh, right. Right, the uh, the first game on Sunday starts at ten in the morning. It's really <laughs> strange. Hey, All right, so watch the games, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> and maybe we'll talk about it. It should be over next week, right? A week? Could they're going to play the? Uh, they play seven games. Is it over by next week? Two weeks will be every other day. Uh, another yeah. week every and a half. Game so one, game two, days. game three, four. You're right, five, six. Yeah, Sunday or Monday of yeah. 12 or 13th June. All right, see what happens. Could be over by next week, four games week. Uh, one more basketball note that I have, or two more basketball notes, is that uh, if, if you care or did not know, if you're a Net fan, uh, when they made that James Harden for Ben Simmons trade, Part of the stipulation, Nets got a uh, first-round pick from Philadelphia if they <laughs> wanted it this year or next year. Hmm. And they made a decision yesterday to do it next year. Okay, because this year would be pick number 23. 
and they're hoping that the 76ers have a lousy season next year, so they'll get a, a higher pick. Hmm. So be it. That's the interesting thing about that. Uh, the Liberty won a game yesterday. Hooray, hooray. The New York Liberty broke a seven-game streak. I was watching that game. And uh, Brittany Griner. Yeah. Yeah. Over 100 days <laughs> stuck in uh, stuck in Russia. And there was a death. I didn't know this guy, but I, I didn't even hear about this guy. Uh, college player, Reggie Warford. W-A-R, Warford, F-O-R-D, one word. 67 years old. University of Kentucky, the second black man to play, I guess, at Kentucky, and the first black basketball player to graduate. How about that? Okay. That's all I have on basketball. You guys have anything else to add to basketball? All right. Baseball-wise, of course, the Mets and Yankees. Wow. First place, the Mets are now going to be challenged with their West Coast trip. Uh, they're 10 and a half games in, in, in first place. Yankees won today, so they're five and a half over the Blue Jays. Did that it's game conclude? Or did yeah, they call, just did they call the game? I just saw no, it. He's delayed. Top of the ninth. Right, rain delay. They're winning. What were they winning? Five one? Six one. Six one. Six one. Six one. Okay. Assume that game is gonna deal. Is it? Yeah, you know what happens when you assume a resume play at 535 in Yankees, I guess. Yeah. What's that? Oh. Are they going back by Yeah. Yeah, rain yeah. stopped over here, so I guess it stopped out there too. Yeah. Now it's raining up in Jersey too. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh what else happened in baseball? Mets, Mets Yankees. Yes, go ahead there, Gerald. I believe the Pirates just swept the Dodgers, which is kind of remarkable. Really? Yeah. They yeah. They had, right. The Dodgers were down three in a row as of yesterday in the paper this morning. Yeah. But they were playing fabulous ball. It's a good team. You know what that is? They call that trap games. They're worrying about the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to take it out on the Mets now. Yeah. A couple of Mets information. Yeah. Francisco Lindor. Ten consecutive games with an RBI. That's tied for second in Mets history. <clears throat> Uh, with Mike Piazza. I did, did not know who was first. And how about them sending Dom Smith to the minors? Yeah. That was a shocking news, but they, he should be back There's in a options. week or so when they, the teams have to drop a pitcher. Every team has to drop their mm -hmm. roster down by one. I believe it's June 19th. And so they believe they'll drop a pitcher and they may bring him <laughs> up for something else. I hope someone gets hurt. So he may be back, but this kid Plummer mm. doing very well. Nice to hear that story, right? Shane Spencer. That's Shane Spencer. Oh, yes. yes but yes. this guy, Nick Plummer, he's been around. Oh, he's a cardinal for a few years. He's not, he's not, his, not his first go around. He's not a rookie. Well, he's been around. Been around. That's good. I met Shane good. Spencer and yeah. I told him, be careful. Yeah. And he was gone. He was gone. Uh, Gerald. Seriously. Go ahead, Gerald. That was in 2000. Gary, Gary Cohen said it's fitting that Plummer is playing in Flushing. <laughs> yeah, right. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one. Good one there. Oh, bad job, bad job. Mike, you may know this. This kid, uh, Velasquez, that's with the Angels now. Is this the kid that was with the Yankees last yes, year? Yes, yes. That's him. That's him, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah, Yankees didn't have room for him on the roster, and right. uh, they let him go. And 
And he was picked up. Good pickup. Angels also have Tyler uh, Wade. Tyler Wade, the other guy, yeah. Yeah. They just cut him off about the Angels. They were in first place for a good part of the season. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're they're, they're like a six-game losing streak. Yeah, and Mark, Buck Showalter made a comment. He don't know how the Dodgers ever lose with the amount with those players they have. That was from his mouth. He said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good. It should be good games. Uh, the Mets honored Johan Santana yes. on, uh, on on Tuesday. The anniversary was yeah. yesterday. The day before the Josh Foley was right. there, the catcher, and of course Terry Collins was there. And there was a story about Mike Baxter. I'd love to read this story about, you know, Mike Baxter made that great catch. Oh, yeah. Yadier Molina. You guys remember that catch? Yeah. So there's a story. I'd like to read the story. It may take a couple of minutes to read it. I I saw it on the Internet. I thought it was fun uh, because I I knew Mike Baxter growing up. He was he played, I believe, in the Bayside Little League while my sons played in the Glen Oaks of the league and the same age. So during the summer, we had the uh, summer ball when the leagues played against each other. We played against mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mike Baxter, but he's a good ball player back then. Never knew he'd be a professional. He's gone now, obviously. I mean, not dead, but he's not playing anymore. Uh, a few years ago, Mike Baxter's son, Will, wanted to play a catch with his father. So the Mets ex-outfielder, I rummaged through his old baseball gear for his glove. <laughs> the one he found was tan and worn, tucked away and forgotten over the precious decade. Not long after Baxter had used it to make one of the most iconic defensive plays in Mets history, he switched glove companies and the old one went to storage. He hadn't <laughs> seen it since. In that fashion, Will Will Baxter's interest in baseball unlocked a a bunch of memories of his father, who found himself explaining both the catch and his career to his son. Will mostly wanted to know what it felt like to slam up against a concrete wall uh, (laughs) and play play catch and and what it's like to displace a collarbone. That's what his son wanted to know. Yeah, and at that it, when it happened at that time, the son was too young to know exactly what was going on, but his dad was hurt. Uh, but it, it went on and on and on. But I'm not going to read the rest of the the, uh, uh, the story. But I just thought it was interesting, and you know, that's his name, claim to fit. What is it? Claim to fame. The claim end. to fame, Mike Baxter. Mike Baxter. The so the uh, the all star the all timers game the all timers game. Uh, any guys got tickets yet for August twenty seventh? Thinking about it, but I hate going, I hate buying tickets in advance. It's gonna be a sellout. Might be all sold out. Daryl Strawberry is gonna be there. Piazza Santano come. Pedro Martinez is gonna play in that game. Oh. Uh, I don't think he'll play. He'll, he'll be old. there. He'll be He's there. Old. Yeah, yeah. We're old. We're old. We're old. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's your feeling on Andahar back as the Yankees? He's contributing uh, in the hitting. He, he, he should be in left field. You think he's here to stay now or get traded? What do you uh, think? He should stay. He I should stay. stay. 
Aaron Hicks needs to go. Of, Forget about the free hits Gallo. today. Yeah, he just You never know with these ball players. Maybe they'll get. I, I I don't know about Gallo. Gallo was like the easiest out I've ever seen. I think Aaron Hicks is a better right-handed hitter than left-handed hitter. You would think Nick, that. So why wouldn't he go righty all the time? Because he's a right now. They need Hicks for defense, if anything, until they get a replacement. Do you do you like uh, Judge in center field? Yeah, yeah. yeah worry about him. Yeah. But Gallo oh, likes he... to play right field, yeah. apparently. Left yeah. field, I thought Gallo. Yeah. No, and is in left, so they're putting him. Yeah, Gallo. I know, Gallo's but right. Gallo's a left field. Stanton, Stanton, Stanton's out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he'll be back this weekend, I thought. Yeah, that'd be good. Saturday, yeah. So you heard Mickey Calloway, the ex manager, former <laughs> Angels pitching coach, who disgraced his name with all those accusations, uh, was recently a Mexican League manager. Well, they fired him because the team was 16 and 17 in fifth place. I guess they were expecting more from. The, team. the manager, sure. Yes. They <laughs> so get Mickey, the baseball players. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Albert Pujols of this writing was 17 home runs shy of 700. Yep. I hope he gets it. I hope he gets it. Yep. I don't know if he will. Mm. He only had four as of last Thursday. Yeah. But he had two, uh, two in one day, right? Yeah, I know. I know. Who knows? Maybe, you know, you get that glimmer. Yeah. The Dodgers last weekend, of course, retired Gil Hodges 14. I think we talked about this, at, uh, anticipating it. You know who wore 14 after Gil? It's a good question. No. Who? Anyone know? Uh, Charlie Neal. No, after. Oh, maybe you're right, Charlie. No, wasn't Charlie. He played with Charlie Neal. Mike Sosha? There was a, the Shields. Len Gabrielson, Von Joshua, John Weirhaus. They just, I gave the number away, but now it's yeah. retired. So I went to look at the retired numbers by the Dodgers. You want to reel them off? Besides, no. besides skills 14. 32. Hmm? Four. 32. 32. 32. Four. Four. Three. Four one, is four. One. Good give me the give two. me the number and the name. Pee Wee Reese, we said four Duke's not okay, who else? Jim Gillian, Sorry. 19. 19 is correct. Jackie Robinson, 42. 42? Is correct. Yes. Corey Wills, 30. Not retired. Not Don Drysdale, 53. Don Drysdale, 53, retired. Right. How many more? You're missing uh one. Two, three, four. Oh, Don Sutton. You did come Don, from Don Sutton, number 20, retired. Wow. How about Steve Bobby, six? No. Oh. I think that's no. right. No. Number two. How about number two? Manager. Manager. Tommy Sorda. Oh, Sorda. Sorda. And number 24, manager. Walter Austin. Walter Austin. Walter Austin. And you guys forgot number 39. Unless you mentioned oh, like Campanella. Campanella. Mark. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. Jim Gilliam is the only Dodger whose number is retired and he's not in the Hall of Fame. That's correct. 
I don't think he's Hall of Fame material. Uh, I think you're right. Speaking, and I don't know why they retired his number. <laughs> he was a great Dodger. I well, could another great Dodger. Too, great yeah. Dodger. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm looking at the clock here. We have to do more stuff to talk about, but I'm going to bank it, I think, the next week. Okay. Oh, okay. Annie wanted to talk about bowling two weeks ago, and I snubbed him. What do you got on bowling? Anything you want to talk about bowling, Danny? Twelve uh, strikes. Pardon me. <laughs> no, not funny. So anyway, uh, make it no, I I uh, just wanted to uh, report that um, a couple of weeks ago, the Professional Bowlers Association finished for the second year in a row a very interesting um, tournament that they had <clears throat> that went week by week. Basically, I think it was the top sixteen players that they had. Throughout the, uh, throughout the regular professional season, and they had a elimination tournament, like a brackets elimination tournament. And it came down to um, two bowlers. Uh, one is Tommy, uh, Tommy Jones, who is a uh, 43 years old and uh, just a superb bowler, regular one-handed bowler. And, um, uh, and, and, and one guy who is... Um, the two-handed bowler who ended up winning for the second year in a row. I don't like two-handed bowlers, but um, uh, I think that two-handed bowlers in general um, depend, needless to say, everybody wants to get strikes, but they end up being um, not very good spare shooters in my book. Uh, mm. And, uh, and that, that's, that's my opinion. Personally, um, I'm bowling in my regular mini Friday night uh, type of turn, Friday afternoon type of turn tomorrow. And uh, then I'm going to decide tomorrow afternoon whether there is a tournament, a sports shot tournament uh, at Harrow Lanes on uh, Sunday, this Sunday, on the 5th. And I have to decide whether I want to enter it or not. It's a handicap tournament. Uh, they're using a pattern that I've never bowled on before. Pattern bowling means on how you lay the oil down in the lanes. Um, it's called a sport shot pattern. Uh, basically, the differential from the um, normal standard league pattern or house pattern that they is used. The oil is relatively light in the center of the lane that goes up to 38, 39 feet, usually 38 feet. <laughs> In this pattern that they're using, that they call it the sunset strip pattern, it's a thicker, heavier oil, uh, and it goes to 40 feet. What does that mean is that the ball is going to hook later, and you have to have the proper equipment and know how to circumvent the heavy oil in the center. Uh, in the sports shot, really, your higher average bowlers, like anybody else, should expect lower scores. But we'll see what happens. I fortunately had a very bad season last year. I only ended up with a 165 average. Oh, excuse so, me. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm going to take advantage. I've been bowling much better the last month or so. So I may be able to take advantage of the handicap that I'm going to be getting, which is 90% of a 210 average. So uh, basically, one, one so I'll be getting 90% uh, of 45 pins. Well, thank you. You certainly know your bowling stuff. I think you're talking way ahead of us. I didn't know there's a, a one-arm one -arm bowler and a two-arm, but I didn't know that. Anyway. Well, the two-handed yeah, bowler doesn't use a thumb in the ball. Oh. 
We'll talk some more about that. Okay. Milton, you wanted to add to that? Yeah, no, Mark, I just wanted to tell you, I did my best to advertise the On The Mark show, as you know. Yes. Did you, you know, I was hoping some people would see that and tr- join up. Well, they I have did. to know the, the link. You got to give them the link. Where was that? Oh, Mark, you saw the nice, right? Nice Fungo? picture. I, I printed that picture out for my for my my scrapbook here. Great. Yeah, so you're definitely in, in there for life. <laughs> for, my, for my next bowling report, I want to sponsor. All right. Okay. I, 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 don't, I don't get reports for free. You know, like uh, you, 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 once every month or so, we come back to you. Once every and month. I, I, I apologize for that. Anyway, Sister Marguerite Tory died. Remember Sister oh, Marguerite? Yeah. yeah. Right during yeah. the, the Yankee uh, oh, World Series. Yeah. And they yeah. would always get a prayer for the Joe Yankees. Tory. Remember her? She was yeah. 93 years old. Joe Torrey's sister. Joe Torrey's yeah. sister. And of course, uh, the French Open is going on. Who are you picking right now? Nadal? And you're picking the, uh, what's the woman's name? Yeah. Oh, who won with, I didn't even realize, who won with Djokovic and Nadal? Nadal, Nadal. Nadal and four sets. Four sets. Wow. And this, uh, we have tech. Switek. Yeah. You know, I don't follow the women, but she she's like she hasn't lost in the last 33 consecutive matches. They said it was a very questionable call. It was a double bounce. They gave her a point. Whatever. She's obviously number one in the world right now. Yep. So we'll see what happens. We'll have a winner in the next day or two. We can talk about it next week. I want okay. to go to trivia questions remaining time. I'm watching the clock here and we gotta to go to trivia questions. I want one show. And nobody's nobody's going to get this. All right, get ahead, Alan. Oh. Who traded, who was traded from the Boston Celtics to the St. Louis Hawks for Bill Russell? Cliff Hagen. That's easy, right. Easy Ed McCauley. Right. right. Edward McCall, yes. Right. McCall, yeah. Oh, good. Good. You can end the show now. All right. We have two more questions <laughs> to go. Ron, yes. Okay, real quick. Um, the, the Apple at City Field obviously is raised for every Met home run. It was, I found this out the other night. It was only raised once for a non Met player. Who was Ooh. it? Hmm. Mm. Willie, Willie Mays? Um, no, no, Willie Mays didn't play in City Field. Uh, oh. uh, I don't know. Okay. It's been a, a top home run. Was it for a ball player or was it for yes. like? Yes, it was for a ball player. No, an opponent hit a home run? Yes. It was, a significant, was it a malfun- malfunction? No, 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 it was on purpose. You'll, once no. you hear the answer, you'll know. All right, what is it? Uh, Probably an ex-Met. Yes, Daryl Strawberry. When he was oh. traded, when he went to the Dodgers and he came oh. back. Oh, that was Shea Stadium, though. That was a well, Shea. Apple. Oh, well, the Apple. He said the Apple was raised for him. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Didn't you know found that. that out? Yeah, there was a tour going on, and they happened oh. to overhear the guy telling them about it, so. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. You sure he was factual? Hey, they paid for the tour. Okay. All right. <laughs> Good. Good point there. All right. Who else got a question? Michael and Jeremy. All right. In 1999, the uh, Sports Illustrated, they spoke about the greatest infield ever. 
Uh, here's a picture, right? It's backwards, maybe. Who's the greatest? The, the greatest infield ever, 1999. Sports That's the Association. Mets, right? The Mets. Yeah, so Olerud, oh, yeah. Alfonso, Adonez, and who's the third baseman? Ventura. 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 So who are the guys? Are we right? Michael, Ventura. you're right. Olerud, Ventura, and Adonez. Adonez, we got it. And Ventura. Yeah. Ventura. Yeah, there you go. Give ourselves two points. Very good for that. Good. Who else? I said Gerald and Stewart. Go ahead. Who is the oldest MLB player to get a hit in, in a uh, in an all-star game? Willie Mays. No. Stan Musial. No. No. By right, what league? American League. Ted Williams. No. Eric Jeter. No. Oh, uh, what what era? What are we talking about? Nineteen ten. We, we, we're talking. We're talking about nineteen ninety one to be specific. Ninety one or eighty one. Ninety one. Ninety one. An old guy got a hit. <laughs> what what team was he with? Actually, he was with the Red Sox and the White Sox. Minnie Minoso. No, he wasn't an All Star. Uh, Red Sox, yes, no, Yastrzemski was no white sir. He was a catcher. Oh, Fisk. 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 Yes. yes. Fisk. Fisk. Oh, Carl Fisk. 43 years old in 1981. Never would have got that. Stuart, go ahead. Uh, Stuart. I think you're muted. He's muted. He's trying to make a record. What is the record for points scored in a period in the NHL in a game? Who did it? Mine. Uh, right. By who? How the hell do I know? What, what was the lucky guess? guess. <laughs> how, many goal, how many goals scored in a period? What was points? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's right. Oh, no one. <laughs> who did it? What team? The Redskins. <laughs> the Redskins. One team or two teams? Lemieux. Red no, I, uh, that uh, Buffalo Sabres against Toronto. So, what, what team was he on? Buffalo. Well, you didn't I don't ask know who it was. Oh, Buffalo, uh, Buffalo against the, Sabres against Toronto. the most goals? No. Yeah, no. yeah. Team. A team, not the play, a player. Oh, a team. Team, yeah. Points. What, this one? Nine, nine goals in the period? Five goals? Um, six? Nine? Yes. In one period? Yep. Didn't you hear me, Mark? No, I would have gone home. <laughs> uh, beat the traffic. Ahead, uh, game's over. Yeah, there, uh, Joe. Since World War II, what major league player had the most career triples? Ricky Henderson. No. Jose Reyes. No. Most career triples. Tim Raines. No. Ooh. Louis Aparicio. No. No, Larry he's not Mills. fast. He's not fast. Team. He was a pirate. A fast pirate? Hey, Clemente. Roberto Clemente. Clemente, 166. Oh. Wow. Wow. Pretty good. The late and great Roberto Clemente. Yeah. yeah. 3,000 3, hits. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They had a survey. I don't know who did the survey, so it's... All right, so my opinion, maybe. 
Who is the best expo, Montreal expo ever? Carter. 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 Okay. Gary Carter. Was in Carter. Oh, oh the oh. guy with the home run in 93. Oh. Pedro Martinez. No. Guerrero? Yeah. yeah. Guerrero? Vlad, Vlad Guerrero. Vlad Senior. Yeah. Vlad yeah. Senior. Yeah. All right. Who else? A few more. Watching the time here. All right. Uh, uh, Stephen Ark. No. Yeah. Uh, today's Lou Gehrig day, so I got two Lou Gehrig questions. Oh. Gehrig and one other player are the only ones that have 500 doubles, 150 triples, and 450 homers. Who's the other player? Miguel Cabrera. Nope. Babe Ruth. 500 doubles. 500 doubles, 150 triples, and 450 homers. That's National League. Billy Mays. Nope. National League. Right around that time, though. A little before him. Same time. Wow. Wait. Wow. Oh. Uh, National League? National, National League lefty hitter. Rogers Lonsby. No, lefty hitter. Around, that, around the Mays era? Yep. Oh, so who was a uh, a, a little before Mays, but he did overlap a lot with Mays. Stan Musial, no. That's no. it, Stan Musial. Oh, oh, Stan is fast, huh? And one other, one other Lou Gehrig question. There's only two plays, Lou Gehrig and one other, that had 40 homers and 40 doubles in the same season. Um, Hank Greenberg. Nope. Miguel Cabrera. Who else? Someone said it. Pujols. I did. Close. You know, just one other thing while I'm on. You know, Gehrig had eight straight seasons of 120 RBIs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put him in Remarkable. the hall. Let's put oh, him in the hall. He is. Yeah. Yeah, Milton, go ahead. Milton, you're, you're muted. muted. All right, next. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Born in Italy. He was one of the first original bonus babies brought up in 1953 um, by Detroit, who was lagging in attendance. And they were playing the St. Louis. Calavito? And he struck out uh, Joe Page. I think struck oh, him. Struck Satchel Page struck him out. Calavito? No, but I had his baseball card as a kid. Reno Batoya. Wow, that's a real name. Anybody else? Sorry, Michael. A few more, and we got to say goodbye. Go. All right, the Rangers are one of six names shared by a pair of teams in the MLB, NFL, NBA, and H NHL. What are the other five? Texas. Texas. Name the team. Jets, Giants, Texas, Texas. Winnipeg Jets, Jets, New York Jets. St. Louis Cardinals and Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. New York Giants. Need two more. San Francisco Giants. Winnipeg Jets Giants. and New York Jets. I thought the Texas Rangers. We have St. Louis Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Rangers, Cardinals, Cardinals yeah. Giants, and Jets. Need two more. Cardinals. Except the Cardinals. Except the Cardinals. Okay. And Jets, too. Yeah. You have. There's no two more Oilers. Used to be two Oilers. One, one is in LA. Oh, right, right. Yeah, Houston Oilers. King. The LA Kings and the oh, Sacramento Kings. Looks the same team and they move. Kings. No. Is one more. One more. One more. <sighs> Is there another Warriors team? <laughs> no. No. Guardians. 
They're an, they're an animal, four-legged animal. A bear's <laughs> no bear now. Panther. Lions, cubs. Panthers. Oh, oh, the right. Panthers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Panthers, Carolina. Oh, Panthers, Carolina. Panthers, yeah. Yes, right. yes. All right. So, you got one more question? Yeah. What team in, in Major League Baseball won the most games during the season without making it to the postseason? Team or teams? Might be one and one. How about the Seattle Mariners? Yeah. No, they no. made it to the postseason. No. The, the yeah, Yankees went to four. The Yankees. Four Yankees. Yankees, Yankees, Yankees in 1954. 54 Yankees. The, no, no. Then the 93 the Giants, Giants, Giants had 100. No. 103 wins. Not 93 Giants? No. No, that was the second. 1962 Giants. No, the 1962 Dodgers. 1952 Dodgers. 1954 Dodgers, 104, and then in 1909, Chicago covers 104 games. Wow. We're in playoffs in those days. The Yankees won 103, I thought. Right, 103, Joe, yeah. 103, yeah, Yeah. that's second. That's close, but they didn't. Close, but no cigar. Yeah, yeah. So All right, guys. We have to say goodbye to everyone. It was nice, um, nice show today. A nice variety of uh, different job. things. Start with Michael Pollock. We want to thank him yeah. again for coming aboard, right. talking to you guys about the Long Island Ducks. You guys had some good points, and uh, yeah, it was a fun show. I thank you all. And uh, next week we do a hundred and ten. Kanahara. Kanahara. Next yeah. week a hundred and ten. Have a great week. Maybe next week I'll much. have hot water to talk Maybe. about. So hopefully you get that. Uh, we'll take water. a pool. We will see. Throw some on the stove. <laughs> take care, guys. <laughs> take care. Bye. 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 Talk to you Bye. soon. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Good night, all. He was sure, Jerry. Yes, Ma- yes Michael. <laughs>